0: Welcome to House of Fire and Blood, the podcast where we ask, what if George R. R. Martin's Fire and Blood were told more like HBO's show House of the Dragon? Hi everyone, my name is Caroline, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm here with Gretchen.
1: Hi everyone. I'm Gugu Uh <laughs> I'm sorry. I was I got distracted because I was gonna say
0: Gretchen, but then I was like, wait, should I first say our guest Musa?
1: Yay! Yay. Musa's back. Hi Musa.
2: I am back, and right. I had just taken a bite of my burger right now, <laughs> a- so my <laughs> mouth is kind of full.
1: It's okay. I didn't get my pronouns in case you missed them. I, I I'm know. Gretchen I'm sorry.
0: I... I'm sorry. I'm Caroline. You her pronouns.
1: Gretchen. I am <laughs> Gretchen. I use they, them pronouns. And I am <laughs> Musa.
2: I use he, him pronouns.
1: Boom. Okay. We are a very professional podcast. The smoothest introduction ever
0: on House of Fire and Blood. Amazing. <laughs> and woo-hoo! we are back and we are continuing our read of the chapter, um, a Time of Testing, the second half. So if you have a physical book, we're starting... At the top of 187, and going to the end of the chapter. If you don't have a physical book, we're starting with the paragraph that says, with in King's Landing, the long reign of Jaehaerys I, Targaryen, began in earnest,"
3: mm-hmm. and uh, we
0: are talking about our good boy Jaehaerys, and um, his is actually a
1: pretty good reign. So, yep. uh, you want to start, Gretchen, with the with the summary. Our high level summary. All right. So we start off um, where Jaharis is dealing with the enthralling problem of the realm's taxes. I mean, it's a really big deal. They don't have a lot of money. We talked about this a couple episodes ago that, like. Uh, I'm
0: so excited about the taxes. <laughs>
1: they have no money, but they got to tax some folks. So he and Rego Draz decide to, you know, find a solution for the taxes. Um, mm-hmm. Our man Rego brings in the Iron Bank, which, like, I cannot help but think of the scene in the bad show um with Cersei and the Iron Bank Um, don't think don't think
0: about the bad show don't don't think about the bad show show. um
1: so yeah the Iron Bank gives him a loan so exciting um but then Jaharis is like we can't you know that's not the final solution so you know what we got to do we got to tax those luxury goods
0: Mm -hmm. Um, and this is smart this is a smart idea it is
1: yeah tax the rich people but not directly because if you tax them directly they might get mad um mm-hmm. so you tax the things they want like pepper and spices and mm-hmm. jewels and fancy clothes anything to import uh, also- yep, yep yep any imported luxury goods as well as other people's building projects um but definitely not the dragon pit <laughs> i have
2: thoughts about, about the dragon pit thing. Project. but like we'll get to that
1: <laughs> yes okay, we'll yes. definitely talk about the dragon pit um yes um all right. After we get the enthralling discussion of the taxes, um, he and Alisan have a you know a quiet wedding of only a thousand people, um, just their closest which, friends, just their closest friends and relatives, yeah. um, and uh, followed by a bedding that was definitely, definitely the first time they'd ever had sex
0: with just the grossest picture for anyone who has the the, oh the text the the physical book. Just oh god, it's this, it's his sister. How old is she at this point? But if he's, she's, she's 14. She's 14.
2: If he's 16, she's 14. So, yeah. It's- yep.
0: Oh, God. He just wants to fuck his 14-year-old sister, and there's no good way
1: to spin that. There's not yeah, a good like, way. Yeah,
0: like, that
1: image is really gross. When you remember that this is a 16 and a 14-year-old, because it's like... Like, the scene is them, like, getting their clothes ripped off as they stare lustily into each other's eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just... Makes me feel a way and that way is deeply bad. <laughs> that way so like is like somebody's
2: it, going to jail. So are you more bothered by their ages than the fact that they're brother and sister?
1: Yes.
0: Yes. Okay. Yes, I am. I, I personally Definitely. like okay. I, I I per like I, I personally don't like my brain is so like because I'm a criminal defense attorney, right? My brain in terms of like sex between people is so like are they consenting? I don't really, like, every other aspect, like, if they're siblings, like, that's fucking weird. But, like, are you consenting adults? Fine. But, like, the fact that they're so young, I'm just like, oh my god, it's a crime, and it's punishable. My position is less,
2: like, whether or not it's something that either of them can consent to, and which one can or cannot, and more about the fact that, like, this is very clearly politicized as hell. Like, the fact that these two people have a sexual relationship is the basis of the fucking political establishment. And like that yeah. plus the fact yeah. that like these two teenagers having a sexual relationship is the basis of a monarchy is the weird like fucked up part to me. More so that than is like it. everyone
0: in Westeros everyone in Westeros is thinking about how they're fucking Yes. Ew. Oh
1: yep. and also to add another layer. Not just that they are me,
2: fucking, but that they have to fuck.
1: yeah they have to and that it's being romanticized to like add the layers of squick onto this it's like you look at this faceplate or this you know you look at this illustration and you're like you're clearly supposed to look at that and be like oh look at them they're so beautiful
0: yeah they're
1: so in love and i'm like i should not be thinking about two teenagers fucking in like a sexy way and being like wow what a beautiful Amazing relationship they have mm-hmm. isn't this like kind of sexy? I mean, that's content. the thing is that like, this I, sh- is, I should not be thinking that. Way. This
2: yeah, art is also political. Is the thing is that like this is like clarifying yep. to people that look, it is success. The monarchy is successful. These people are in fact it? fucking, and therefore mm-hmm. everything is fine.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Westeros is great because the two teenagers in charge are having sex. What I will say uh, is
0: the the Allisons dress is gorgeous the pleating on that skirt is just divine but anyway moving on
1: yes (laughs) um so yeah
2: also very weird this is the same period of time as like the point at which Jeharis shows up not like too long after that it's he's still 16 she's still 14 he looks so much older here and she does not look 14 either Nope, no, no. They nope, that don't. that
1: is a consistent thing that we will see with the illustrations of Alice. there are a couple that are coming up in the next chapters where she is no more than fifteen years old, and she definitely looks like she's like a twenty-five year old easily. Easily, easily. easily. yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. This illustration, I would believe you if you told me she was like at least twenty. Yeah, um, I think that's the point. Like, not is that later. it's
2: supposed to make it okay, and the only way to actively do that mm-hmm. is to try and like age them up. Even in universe, yeah. I think that that's the thing that that's happening here. Is that they have to right. look sexually mature, even if they aren't?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Because right. it would be horrifying to the even the Westerosi to see. An yeah, image, I'm thinking yeah. about
1: how um, Sansa is like the like the scene where Cersei comes in and is like getting her dress for her wedding yeah. and mm-hmm. is like trying to be like, "Look, you gotta look like a woman." And I'm like, "This is a 13 year old child you're talking about. She's not a woman. Yeah. She's a baby." Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's that same idea of like you have to look sexually mature. Is like a part of making this okay. Like so- yeah. this is part of how society like tricks, th- gaslights themselves into mm-hmm. making this okay. Is to make the teenagers look but like. Yeah, those. I think we. Well, really.
2: Need to like, like, I feel like we should finish up the summary and then get back to this. Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. We will come yes. back to this. I was going to say, but it's all okay because Allison is the best, and yeah. Jaharis makes sure make sure that everyone's going to know that Allison is best because he sends out seven people to go. T- spread the word it's seven
1: the seven speakers they can't
0: they cannot get away from the seven motif they do seven for everything i think we've
2: agreed that like there were probably more than seven of them but like the seven were the official people who were there to do it and like everyone else was like doing it like sort of low-key and like not necessarily with the banner and everything of like being one of the seven speakers
1: yeah what no there are only seven because symbolism the symbolism is the most important thing there's got to only be I mean, seven. that's the thing
2: the symbolism uh-huh. is important <laughs> yes. but like it's also <laughs> <tropical>. it <is.
1: laughs> what i it love is. about what i love about the
0: seven the seven speakers that we could talk more about it is um we get some great people in there like septa isabel who who was part of the wise women who was supposed to try to convince alice not to be incestuous huh. What? That's so oh, weird. weird. Yeah. That's weird, so weird. 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 It's, it's almost like that wasn't at all why Alyssa sent them there. And Alyssa sent right. them there for precisely this reason. Mm-hmm. So that they yeah. would become very loyal. And it, and it worked. Isabel became mm-hmm. very loyal to
1: Allison, And now she's walking around telling people Gritches. Yep. Um, and part of walking around talking about Gritches, which will probably take up a bulk of our discussion, is that here is we get the doctrine of Targaryen exceptionalism. <sighs> just... just Wow. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about this. Oh my god. Viewers, you can't see
0: me, but I'm I'm putting the book on top of my head. Um, I, I, We'll talk about it.
3: <laughs>
1: but the doc, do you want to explain what the doctrine is? Uh, we'll talk about it later. We
2: will get into
1: it. We're, we're going to okay. leave it for the analysis section because if we start talking about it now... We're, we're
2: not going right. to stop okay. yet.
1: So... Fair, fair enough. High level <laughs> summary, folks. Um Eleanor Costain shows up. We love her. Eleanor Costain is great. Mm-hmm. Um she is one of the seven speakers. We just wanna give a shout out to our girl who um who killed Magor. Um good for her. Oh yeah,
0: Musa, it's it's our headcanon that Eleanor did in fact kill Magor. Yeah,
1: Eleanor did in fact kill.
0: She Maegor. was the one that found him.
1: Yeah, found him on the iron throne. Yeah. You know, oh, with
2: the fun. illustration in the this book, I think it works uh no not this book it's world of ice and fire i think it's the one where he's facing towards the throne and like he's been impaled on it that one might work better than like the one in fire and blood where he's facing a wave like he's sitting on the throne
1: yeah and it looks like he impaled mm-hmm.
2: himself on it yeah because that and one actually to
1: me it looks like someone shoved him down on it because i don't know how you impale yourself in the throat um, yeah, I don't know force. He, he just, force.
0: Or he just like the throne um, killed the throne killed him, okay? Yes, the the magic themes throne. killed him, I mean, not a person. I mean, like I think the
2: other <laughs> way of doing, like establishing it is that he did just commit suicide, but like, you know, um it it is more interesting if Eleanor Coisse did kill him, that's, point. that's our head
3: that's
1: yeah.
2: That's
0: my that's that my tin that's him. my tinfoil theory. <laughs>
1: um uh so Reyna shows up, our our, favorite our girl, girl Reyna comes back. She comes um, to the wedding, she, yeah. She comes she, to the wedding. She comes
0: finally. to this wedding, but she didn't yeah. come for Alyssa's wedding. Those she catty women
1: comes to this wedding. It has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that she demands Dragonstone and her daughter. Um, I thought, like, I thought it was, it was pretty clear
2: that. that it was about that. Like, I don't think the text was very no, like... That,
1: like that's... Yes, yes, yeah. that's the sarcasm. Okay. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, because yeah, we we've had a long going con- like a long running conversation about like why. Alyssa and Reyna didn't go to each other's weddings. That like the book wants to make a big deal about the fact that they didn't go to each other's weddings. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we're, I was cracking a joke at like, oh, she comes to this wedding and it's not because she has plans. It's because it's because she loves Alyssa more than Alyssa. Yeah. This
3: oh is my slate. god.
1: Of this course. is a slight against her mom. That must be it. <laughs> I mean, she hates her mom. <laughs> it
2: can't. It, it could very well be both of those things. I don't see why it can't be.
0: I don't know if she has a relationship with Alison, but regardless, it's not like yeah, fair enough. Yeah,
1: she comes, and then at the end of the chapter, um, Alison is pulling a Raines because she under she understands the political importance of feast and frolics.
0: She does. Yep. Uh, But Raina Raina demands Dragonstone and her daughter, and Jaehaerys gives them to her. Yep. Yep. So our girl, Mm -hmm. our queen in the West, becomes queen in the East.
1: Queen in the East. Love to see it. Yeah, and then Alysanne is now officially in the capital and doing things, and but wait. Um, she goes to council meetings, and people pat her on the head and say, oh, wow, what a smart little girl. Um, but you
0: forgot the most important thing she does, Gretchen, the very last line of the chapter.
1: All yeah, this, right, right, this? right, like, yes, the most yep. important thing she does is get pregnant. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She, she,
1: she, That is the child. most important thing that a woman can do, especially a royal queen. Is especially to... a fourth, your 14-year-old sister. <sighs> oh. Yep. Oh, Gross. Yeah. Anyway, Big all yikes. right. Um, we don't have to spend a lot of time talking about the Maester's biases. Um, they're pretty straightforward.
2: Yeah, um, it's just a continuation the of the last section because it's the yeah. same chapter.
1: Yep, Jaharis is the best. The Targ propaganda machine is just like in full sway, full
0: and this, steam
1: ahead. This section
0: is really important for that because of the Targaryen exceptionalism. Yeah. Yep, uh, yep. So we so. have...
1: Officially entered the official period of the Targaryen propaganda machine and not just like the background setting up of the Targaryen propaganda machine. Do you guys want to talk um, about
0: Targaryen exceptionally?
3: I, I want, to want to talk say about Bex's first.
1: <laughs> okay. I want to say one more thing about the Maester's bias, which okay. is uh, clearly Reyna cannot be trusted um, because she's yeah. got ambition and that's bad that yeah. is the, yeah. you know like the whole section about reina is just colored by this like she wants dragonstone and her daughter and Ty- and jaharis gives it to her and oh, oh my, my god, god that's so bad everyone they, be afraid of it, i mean the text says
0: something like you, the implications of this wouldn't be known for years and i'm thinking yes. like not to spoil ahead of here but i'm like i don't think that there are very many
2: i think the point is trying to uh lay like some groundwork for the fact that like uh this is when like laying the ground for the fact that like the eggs will get stolen and then the, all the murders that will happen in Dragonstone and the fallout from that like a bunch of stuff happens on Dragonstone while Reyna is living there uh,
0: maybe but it's like that's it, it makes it sound much more dire like the consequences I know, it's of this just, decision would yeah. not be known for years to come and it, it makes it sound like there's something like something sinister happens to the monarchy but it kind of Dragonstone ends up being its own story really. yeah it does right, that's separate right,
1: but we, we should have known because the spooky scary lady wanted power We We should have known that that there would be consequences. It's really
2: interesting. Is that like um, the spooky, scary, like queer lady is not given enough, like establishment of actually wanting that power for an end. Mm -hmm. It's only ever well. The
0: text, the text treats it like she's just power hungry.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's the problem I have with like and maybe this is like to a point, but like the way that it's presented is that like Jaehaerys' reign establishes that, you know, there is a purpose to having a monarchy and that is to actually run a government and Mm -hmm. actually like do things, uh, Mm -hmm. use power for particular goals and or like the purpose of like you know, maintaining society or whatever. Okay. Whenever a woman wants power in this story, in Fire and Blood, it's never presented as like they have plans or ideas up until like um, Game pale Palehair's mom and her girlfriend. But mm-hmm. uh, before that point, there doesn't seem to like Rhaenyra doesn't even get that in Fire and Blood, like actually mm-hmm. wanting to do things with her authority outside of wage war. Which is the only thing we like, actually see her do. Um,
0: and I think, well, with Reyna, it's really interesting because I, she's like, she wants, she. I think she would want to do that. I think Reyna, but she's like this wandering queen. She's like yeah. a queen with nowhere to rule. Yeah. The place she should be ruling is Westeros. Right. And mm-hmm. she's acutely aware of the fact that she should be ruling Westeros. And so nothing is ever going to be good enough in comparison. Right. Right, because she's really, she's the real actual heir. Yeah, because what
2: what ends up happening is that, like, she gets Dragonstone, and like, Dragonstone, like, we're given to understand, based on the narration, that Dragonstone kind of goes to shit under her, like, rulership. Not just in Mm -hmm. terms of the fact that bad things happen there, but also just, like, the day-to-day stuff, like, just goes by to the wayside. And, Mm -hmm. like, when Alicent goes there, she's like, it's basically just a ghost town. And... It's completely different to how it was when she and J. Harris were there, uh, as well. Like where people were coming to see them and a lot of stuff was actually happening there, like alliances were being made and the people that live on Dragonstone were actually getting stuff out of it as well.
0: Right. I mean, I think I think the the difference is again, like Reina is this is a queen who should have her the, any power she has is a direct threat to the current monarchy. Right. So it's like when you know we're we're not at her on dragonstone yet we'll get that in a couple chapters but you know the she can't she can't effectively rule anywhere because if she does it's a threat to the monarchy right and right. everybody, she knows that, Jaehaerys and, know, and, that. and know that. And everyone else would
1: know that. None of the lords, like, I I doubt that any lords would be willing to do the kinds of things that, like, because the reason that they were going to visit Dragonstone with Jaheris and Al-Sane is because that's the upcoming monarch. Yeah, You right. want to establish a good relationship with the new <sighs> king. You d- what you don't want to do is establish a relationship with someone that the king perceives as a threat. Especially, right? yeah,
2: right. So so like, which, we've, which we've seen, as we talked about in the last episode, and I made a very small point about it, is the fact that, like, um, the reason why Jeharis opposed the idea of Lyman Lannister becoming Master of Coin was because he was in Reyna's camp. Yep.
1: Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I yeah. think it's really important as we keep an eye on Reyna to recognize that, like, she is a center of power and a threat, but one that, like, can't be re- openly recognized because mm. to openly recognize her as a power, like, as a center of power and a threat would, like, cause problems. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, like a lot of a lot of what happens to her is about the fact that, like, she is a threat, but like can't visibly be too much of one because that would be too much. That would be a problem. And so, people are going to shun her. Are either going to try or either going to shun her, or try and steal the symbols of her power, like mm. the eggs, so that mm-hmm. they can establish their own base of power. But they're not going to ally themselves with her because that would, you know that would cause problems for them. Right. So mm-hmm. like she's this like trapped character who like actually reminds me a lot of Danny mm-hmm. in Essos. Mm-hmm. So right. like when Danny is wandering around Slaver's Bay and feeling like or you know once she has her own khalasar and is kind of wandering around and she gets to Karf mm-hmm. and then goes to Slaver's Bay like she has this same feeling of like everyone lusts after my dragons like they don't care about me as a person they mm-hmm. care about the power that I have and like I can't trust anybody I don't know who my friends are I don't know who actually likes me and cares about me or actually is willing to be an ally for my sake because they believe in my cause mm-hmm. and not just because they want to steal power from me that like Reina actually reminds me a lot of Danny. in the they, they have to see her they
0: have this wandering queen yeah thing mm. going on together and and reina you know why we talk about reina let's talk i mean let's talk about what really happened for reina right. as long as we're on on her story i mean i think that i mean it's pretty straight it's almost directly on page what really happened which is that she came to the wedding to to appeal mm-hmm. for dragonstone and her and her kid yeah that, right i mean Right, which come. which
1: is a bid for power because dragonstone yeah. has has historically been the seat of the um of the heir yeah. of the person who is next in line for the throne and her daughter is actually the heir like she's mm-hmm. she's making a claim to be the center of power for the next for what is now the tex- next targaryen ruler yeah right
0: i wonder how long she was planning on doing this for cuz she knew that eventually Jaharis and Allison would leave dragonstone and go to king's landing
2: presumably and that assumed. was her plan at some point, did become like once they're married and investitured in the Red Keep, that's when like Dragonstone will be up for grabs. And because right. technically, Arya, as the heir, is too young to have Dragonstone for herself. So Reyna mm-hmm. can still make the claim as her mother to mm-hmm. get that. She's yeah.
1: becoming, I don't think there's an official title for it, but it's like the Dowager for the heir yeah like the regent. She's, regent. Like the, she's like the she's the regent for the heir to the throne yeah she's technically the re- regent of dragonstone i don't know doesn't have, yeah. the, same, doesn't have the
0: same ring as prince right prince but there. yeah
1: but if area is the heir then like if area were to become the actual you know like if something happened to jaharis and alisanne then mm-hmm. reyna would be the regent yeah yeah um so she's setting herself up to like she's She's both showing that she recognizes that that's the position she has and is willing to actually make a move for putting Mm -hmm. herself in that position.
0: So why do we think Jaharis gave it to her?
2: Because honestly, I am willing to believe the conversation that we hear in the text uh, did actually happen as written. And it's very clear that like, what Jaharis wants to get across here to... Reyna, is that his power needs to remain tantamount and unopposed. And
3: mm-hmm.
2: I think the way that I would write it is that I would actually make this a moment of vulnerability for Jaharis, where, at least like in a private sense, he can open up to his sister about the fact that he cannot seem weak like their father was the same way mm-hmm. because of everything that happened after that point. And in order for like his rule to remain uncontested, it cannot be seen as like there is any sort of division or derision in the Targaryen household. So he grants her request to keep her on side. But makes it clear that, like, it's, like, Dragonstone is hers as courtesy rather than as right. And Mm -hmm. she holds it in, like, uh, you know, with his kind of, like, blessing and regard. And he is Mm -hmm. as able to take it away, if he so wishes, uh, as he -hmm. is as giving it to her in that moment.
0: I completely agree. I think this is one of those conversations I I think is as as verbatim as the history text can get. Yeah, Um, And it kind of, for me, calls to mind um, Reynus from House of the Dragon. Right. And kind of how, because at this point in time, Reynna is sort of like, I think, still fairly unhappy with the circumstance, but resigned to it. She hasn't done anything to try to take the Iron Throne. She's not in open rebellion. She's not scheming to be... You know, she's kind of like... She did wars. She had a husband who died. She had a father. She'd been through this. She had the Magor thing. Like, she's kind of like trying to be as less involved in this Game of Thrones as possible. Like, she's just kind of like wants some stuff, but isn't actively vying for power. And I think Rainey's in... House of the Dragon is kind of in the same position. Right. Where Rainey's had a similar kind of like she was passed over for power but she's you know she's still she's kind of resigned to it. Like she's unhappy that it happened but she's resigned to it and she can fulfill a role yeah. needed by the monarchy yeah. understanding that it, they need her to do that to keep the monarchy. Strong. I think
2: the important thing to more yeah. note is that Rhaena does say that what she needs is a castle of her own And people to call her on in order to take care of herself and her loved ones. And that includes her daughter, but it also is all of the people that are, like, with her still. Um, Mm -hmm. Which at this point in time still includes Alyssa Farman as well. And and all of the other people she brought with her from the Westerlands. And so she has her own, like, small court with her. And those are the people she wants to take care of because those are the only people that actually care about her and love her for her. And mm-hmm. the only way she can see herself being able to take care of her is she has her own castle and her own land that is under her authority. Even if it, her authority has to derive from Jaheris, she's willing to accept that if it means she gets to have enough control and agency to take care of the ones she cares about.
1: Yeah, and I think it's important to recognize that this is also a way for her to have a level of independence. Yeah. Because yeah. she says, like, I need a seat of my own, a place where no lord can threaten me. And this is immediately, he's like, why don't you just come to court? Just come mm-hmm. hang out in the court. And she's like, and live forever in your shadow. That, like, Reina, like, is fine with accepting that... Her control of Dragonstone is, like, control that is ceded to her as a gift from Jaehaerys. But ultimately, what she wants is to have a place that's her own. She doesn't want to live, like, she wants to have her own independent base of authority that is, like, not directly overshadowed by Mm Jaehaerys. And that's what she's asking for. And I think he recognizes that, that, like, that's what she's asking for, that she's asking for her own power base. Yes. um, A place where she can settle down and have, like, independent authority and he's trying to find a way to say, like, right, but just remember that it's not actually independent authority. And that's kind of, I think, what's, where the tension is going to come between them yes. is, like, she wants her own authority. And he has to say, well, it can't be because I'm the king. And so, ultimately, I have to be in charge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like, sure, it, I'll let you have it as long as you remember that, like, I can take it away at any point. This isn't actually yours. Yes. Right. It can, look,
0: it can look like your own authority. We can make right. it shiny, and on the outside, it looks like your own authority, but it's really my authority.
1: Yeah, right. And I mean, that's the kind of the best she can get in the situation. That is right. true. It is the best she can get, and it and it does feel like a way for him to. Um, I like what you were saying of keeping her on side, like keeping all the tarp mm-hmm. making, creating a united front, because this does feel appeasing. Yeah. Like that yes. this is a way to like almost like condescendingly appease her in a patriarchal way of like sure sure yes you can have yeah. your own nice little house to yourself. Yes, yeah. sweetie, you like, can have you can have the Targaryen thinking rock. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, you that's fine. That. With yeah, me. that's the, just like as long as you remember that I'm still the king.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting to note that like as far as I'm aware. No, this can't be it. Uh there is like one more conversation between Jaehaerys and Reina. But as far as I'm aware, like I'm like whenever I come to this point I'm like is this the last time they talk to each other and it's not but like it has that vibe is that like these two don't want to actually deal with each other as people that much mm-hmm. and like it's kind of like a mutual thing
1: right yeah yeah, yeah. but I it's think it's that not... Harris recognizes that she's a threat yeah but like yeah. she is because she's the threat to his power and I think he recognizes it and it, this feels like a way to appease her as well as kind of keep her power under control, hopefully. But, like, I think he's hoping that, like, it's the kind of, like, look, maybe if I give her... Like, if I were to script the conversation that he has with his council members and they're like, no, we can't give Reyna, you know, Dragonstone, that's the ancestral Targaryen house. That's where the heir to the throne sits. We can't let her have it. And I can imagine him going, like, look, if she doesn't do that, maybe she will rebel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, if she really needs to have her own space, like, if she's this, like, you know... If she's having so much trouble finding place to settle down, maybe if we don't give her anything, she's more likely to be a threat yeah. to my rule. Yeah. So maybe more... I can like keep keep control over her by just kind of like maybe she'll be appeased if I give her dragon Right. Her. And right. Then she'll, exactly. then she'll be fine, and we can take care of this threat to my authority. Right. right. Exactly. What's so interesting about what's so much about their
0: relationship is that their relationship is almost zero percent personal and almost a hundred percent political. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're related, but they weren't raised together. They aren't close in age, no um they don't do any they don't oh. do anything on a personal level They're but they are they are completely related to each other based on their political positions. yeah
2: mm-hmm. I think that's very clear that like um Reyna only ever really interacted with Aegon as far as her siblings went, and the rest mm-hmm. of them were like much younger. I think there's another brother in between them as well, right.
0: Yeah, but there was Viserys. Yeah, he was
2: wing. killed by Megor, Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. So that means that like, Jaehaerys and Alicent were kind of like way below the others in terms of like.
0: But you know, seniority. Reyna was the one. Reyna was the one that put the eggs in their cradle. Yeah, but that I mean, was the eggs in the cradle of Jaehaerys and Alessand. That was been no, they I, were I know it was a long time ago. Yeah. and they were babies. But I could see her even looking at like Jaehaerys and Alicent with their dragons and being like, "You're fucking welcome."
1: Yeah, yes. Like, I was just thinking that. that you like, know. I think that it is quite, that I can imagine her quite literally going, the only reason you have power is because I gave it to you. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I gave you those dragons. Mm-hmm. And now you're usurping me. And like, now you're uh, taking it's the It's such an interesting point wow. is
2: that in later generations, the whole like putting an egg in the cradle thing becomes like, just like standard practice. Whereas Raina seems to have just done it as a childish whim.
0: Yeah, she just came up with it. She was like, like, Yeah,
2: yeah, I just put a dragon egg into this baby's cradle. Just because. It's uh, fine,
1: this should be fine. (laughs) When it hatches, there will be no problems. Exactly. And apparently, there were not
2: problems, is the thing.
0: That's a very dangerous thing. People don't put eggs in in the the beds of your babies because they could suffocate. There's all ways they could kill themselves that way. Don't do it. But it worked out for these
3: kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: right.
1: And eventually yeah. it becomes a symbol of like inherited power, right? right. That, like yeah. you're literally, it's, it's the like born with the silver spoon in your mouth, but like you're born with a dragon egg in your cradle. Like mm-hmm. it's that, it becomes that symbol but it starts with just like Reina like I can imagine Reina being like, this is cute and like or just you being know, like, my
0: baby brother needs a dragon. Yeah, like, you know? I,
1: lo- I have a great relationship with my dragon. I love my dragon. Like, I want them to also have a dragon. And maybe, like, they can grow up with their dragons. wouldn't that be cute? Because we all know she was a horse girl. Yeah. yeah. But, like, yeah. I can imagine, like, a little 10-year-old being like, oh, my gosh, it would be so cute if they, like, grew up with their or dragons. Even, even
0: just, like, the fun of picking the egg, like we see in House of the Dragon, when mm-hmm. uh, the boys are picking the egg for um the baby. Mm-hmm. Like, the like the fun of like getting to look at the eggs and pick the color and you know, decide which right. one like like that's a fun that's like some fun shit i would do okay that. Yeah. yeah so moving on from that Yay, do we want reina. to
2: take a step back and talk about taxes
0: yes i know you want yeah, to talk we, about taxes talk about we started taxes with the
1: end of the chapter let's go back to the beginning of the chapter <laughs> i'm sorry i love my
0: girl reina we had yeah. so we just transitioned naturally to talking about her i don't know how that oh, happened but anyway Texas. go ahead Ta- i don't have any feelings about taxes so, okay, so you guys so. take it away <laughs>
2: The thing is that I really want this to be a part of the show. (laughs) I want these discussions to be a part of the show because I think a lot of political dramas get so bogged down in the personal aspect of personal and political that they kind of forgot the political, political aspect of Mm -hmm. things. So I'm like, okay, how does a state actually function and who comes up with these ideas? And I think it's really interesting that, like, what happens is that uh, the foreign financial person who basically does finance as if it's magic, <laughs> mm-hmm. like takes out <laughs> takes out three loans and works them against each other in order to start work on like the public works again, which functionally mm-hmm. allows Jeharis to start rebuilding the dragon pit i am so curious as to why like it's a thing that Magor decided to build as like a monument to targaryen greatness um Mm -hmm. and like i thought we were trying like jahiris's whole thing was trying not to continue the same line of like things as Magor. um but like
1: and yet still do the dragon pit and like i have a i have a i have a
2: it's it's not a theory it's more like just a a writing point is that George Martin decided that like it made some kind of sense for Jaehaerys to conclude work on the Dragon Pit instead of it just being finished under Magor and being the case that like there was something of that draco Carcy idea that like we need to make sure this symbol of our power is as visible as possible in the capital yep. and this yep. massive monument to dragons is the best way to go about it mm-hmm.
1: yep we've talked about that before that like the three hills in king's landing become symbolically representative of like the three yep. branches of power right or like the three things that make of like what power is you've got the, you've got the big sept which is the faith You've got um, you know, the the actual King's Landing Iron Throne, which is like the politics, and then you have the dragon pit, which is, you know, the other symbol of politics. Yeah. Like those three things. Once you start building the dragon pit, you have like the three, like the tripod on which like the monarchy stands.
2: The faith um, thing is kind of really interesting because as the monarchy. The faith <laughs> thing is kind of interesting because the faith doesn't really become centralized in King's Landing until after all the dragons are gone. And that's when the faith really becomes like more entrenched in Targaryen like rule as well, because that's when like Balor decides to have the High Septon come and move his center of operations to King Landing, thereby but- bringing the faiths more in control of the crown as well, because that's mm-hmm. the point at which the crown, as a matter of course, becomes entrenched in picking the next High Septon every time. Whereas while right. this period of time, they still have to make the effort to go to old town have that whole interaction with the high towers and everything and figure out how to get the influence the elections of the next high in that way uh, mm-hmm. later on it's just well, because, because like, I, the way things work i think yeah please.
0: if we have like the three the three legs of the tripod three three legs has the tripod as gretchen has brought up now um if you lose one leg yeah then you're going to lean on the other two, so that makes sense actually, Moose. I had never thought of that—that right. that they lean more into the faith once they don't have dragons, um, right, anymore available. Yeah. Right, and but like that,
1: but the but the faith as a center of power is symbolically important for Westeros, as we saw in the first, like mm-hmm. in all of the rebellions that happened under Maegor. Like you don't want to piss the faith off. You want to include the faith. As even just like symbolically a part of where your authority comes from, precisely because it's so important culturally to the Westerosi that you want to like at least, you know, tip your hat and be like, ah, yes, the faith, they are Mm -hmm. really important. You all think they're really important. So sure, we'll have one of our hills dedicated to the faith so that you all can like continue to believe that like our power derives from the faith and is Mm -hmm. intimately tied to the faith even though like, and they're still using the faith. Cause we see this in like the, the, the doctrine of Targaryen exceptionalism is propagated by the faith. Yes. Because mm-hmm. the faith is whether or not they're in charge, they are really important for like how, where authority and power derives in Westeros specifically. And the Targaryens have learned, I think by the time you get to Jaharis <laughs> that you want to make, it's better to have them as your ally than it is to have them as your antagonist. Yeah. That's what they yes. learned under Maegor. Yes.
0: I, I shouldn't be surprised, Musa, that you wanted to talk about taxes, because you're the one that on, when you came onto Unabashed Book Snobbery, when we were reviewing- um, I do Castle remember Fire what Blake, I said, yes. You, you pointed out that Otto Hightower at the end of the scene was like, okay, let's levy a new tax on wool, and it's like wintertime.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it is it was wintertime, like, and he did do that, and that is, like, establishing just how fucking awful Otto Hightower is as a hand.
0: It, it, it's really useful, actually, to think about, like, these taxes and, like, what it means about the characters. Yeah. yeah. And, like, who they're targeting
3: with. Yeah. It.
1: Right. Yeah, because it's, it, like, this is, the taxes in this section can be compared directly to Edwell Kultigar. And Edwell mm-hmm. Kultigar was like, you know who we should tax? Poor people. Mm-hmm. I don't want to tax all my rich friends. He said
0: trickle-down economics works. Let's, let's, <laughs> yeah, let's
1: tax the poor people rather than my rich friends. And even in the way that taxes work here, like, Jaharis and Rago come up with a really smart plan, which is, like, Well, the people who have all the money are the rich people. It's the lords. Yeah.
3: But but... those
1: people are also the most likely to be angry if we tax them directly. Yeah. So we won't tax them directly. We will tax the things that they want to have. And then no one can be mad. Because, look, I love the line where he's like, like, basically, like, if you don't want to pay taxes, just have bland food.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He's like, just don't have spices. You're good. Don't have spices. Like, whatever. Get over it. Like you're gonna bitch about not having Samite like that, really? Yeah, like, everyone's gonna uh-huh.
1: make fun of you if you do that. It's so smart.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, that's the thing is that like, and the one thing that they do not tax, when they tax everything else is Vine from the Arbor, because that's controlled by the Red Vines, who are on the Small Council and therefore able to push their like uh, position more as like okay can we create like an exception for the thing that we're selling mm-hmm. and like
1: yeah we got we got we got red wine exceptionalism um it can't be part of the taxis <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you say that because i was thinking about it from the other direction of like so are the dornish part of westeros or not because they're being taxed like they're foreigners
2: they are and that is like, the thing yeah
1: that like everything that being think, taxed is all luxury imports from outside Westeros. I would say that that's so also. I was th- I was thinking I was thinking of the red wines as exceptions because they were within Westeros, and so by no, you know, I think they're treating the Dornish differently because they're being treated like they're outsiders. No,
2: I think that 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 point actually the Dornish uh, outsiderness is. I think I'm going to say it is being pushed by the red wines who are Reachmen. and therefore like the most anti-Dornish any people of Estros can yeah. be um I can
0: see uh, the arbor, that. isn't the arbor like an island am i crazy look at i think it's on they, the coastline
3: like,
1: i do think that there might be like a river that splits though yeah Caroline, around them maybe I can't remember I'm not, I thought the I Arbor was like a
0: separate island. I'm not having a lot of luck finding a good No, the
1: Arbor is a separate
0: island.
3: Huh.
1: Yeah, there's like there's like a river that goes around it, right? Is it two No, no, the ocean goes, a little a little
0: ocean, ocean goes around it. The oh. ocean goes around it.
1: Yeah. It's like so there's there's Old Town is the closest port. Right. But
0: at least where where it's marked on the map, the Arbor is like a separate island in like That's always in- wondered. That's
1: interesting because okay, this is not in the text. I'm just saying that's interesting because it means it's treating a landmass that is not actually contiguous with Restoros, as if it as, is contiguous right, with Restoros, yeah. but the landmass that is actually contiguous with Restoros is being treated like it's a foreign nation. I mean, it is yeah.
2: a foreign yeah. nation; they were not conquered, so like,
1: true. But the seven kingdoms, Musa, they are. <laughs> it's the seven kingdoms. We can't it's have the seven. six kingdoms. Yeah, I was a...
0: always confused by that because I'm like, so because they because they do in the text talk about importing wine from the Arbor, right? And so they are literally
1: importing it by yep. ship. Yes. Yep. They have yeah. to import. If by import you mean by it comes in a port. Yes. Yeah. Um, it has it to. Is yes. Coming into a port. Hmm. Um. I also thought that the tax on the 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 law of crenellations was really clever too. Yeah. Because that's like. You know, we will tax their fortifications, Mm -hmm. um, which will both discourage them from trying to make stronger castles to fight against me. And like, it means that, you know, if they if they really want to have stronger fortifications, like they got to pay me money.
2: And this is Mm -hmm. this is one of the ones that this is one of the ones that I'm willing to give Jaharis as having come up with. Because Rago Draa specifically says about all the luxury taxes that the taxes the things we're talking about taxing are all the things that made me rich as a merchant, which means that like, I can, I can buy that he's the one who came up with those concepts. This, however, I think is another Jaharis one. And I think it ties back into the whole thing about uh, uh, Maegor and like uh, all the rebellions that happened is the fact that like the strength of an individual Lord uh, is directly proportional to how much they're willing to defy the king and therefore curtailing that to as great a degree as possible is actually the most secure way for a king to maintain their power while also increasing wealth wherever possible because like some Hmm. people will pay more money to be able to better fortify themselves and if they're willing to do that then sure fine but like you have to pay out the ass and also that'll mean you'll be poorer for it at the end of that Which mm-hmm.
1: Right. And I just had the thought that this isn't in the text, but like, it also means that like they're spending their money on building their fortifications, but then they probably won't have enough money to pay the soldiers.
3: Right. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Right. You're, you're like impoverishing them. So it's like, cool, pick which one you want. Do you want to be able to have better forts or do you want to be able to have, like, be able to amass armies? Like, you can't have both because both of those things take money. And so the lords have to sit there and decide where they want to spend their money and how much. And meanwhile, yeah. the king is going to be getting more money so that he can pay more armies. And, you know, he can both build whatever he wants and pay more people because he's and, getting the money. And I think a tax
0: on on, like, house building, basically, is not as easy a tax to, like, as a group get mad at. Right. As like taxing my food, right? Because right. we're all eating bread, but if you're taxing all of us, like we're all immediately hungry. But if it's like, well, the Lord of Winterfell is, is angry because he has to pay some money to like fix his castle, and I'm the Lord of fucking somewhere else. I'm like, you know, I don't care about the Winterfell castle. Like, I don't, I don't care if he gets fortifications. Like, why would we be aligned right. in being upset about that? You know. Right. So it's like it's kind of a very safe thing to tax. Right. That's mm-hmm. not going to affect. Okay. It's not going to affect like too many lords
2: at the same time, essentially. Right, yeah,
0: right. yeah. I agree. I gave that one to Jay Harris, because that's a very martial kind of thing to think about, and I do mm-hmm. think he's been he's been prepping because Alison's been making him read, and um, huh. that's the yeah. kind of thing I could see him come up with. Um, so we want yeah, to okay. now
2: we move to the wedding.
1: The wedding and the bedding. Uh, oh, yes. So
2: is a, is a thousand people. Uh, not a like a smaller
1: wedding I it's mean, smaller than the golden wedding but it's golden a huge had regular 40, wedding forty thousand people right yeah. attended the golden wedding yeah like a thousand people i feel like a thousand people is big for our time yeah. frame yeah. like i mean i think like an average of like two or three hundred people go to a wedding these yeah days. three so like a thousand a wedding, is yeah. a lot that's mm-hmm. like a celebrity wedding yeah for
2: like for but reference i, I had like, like it's 300 people than, at like, my wedding if i'm remembering right yeah so like that's about yeah. average now
1: yeah yeah and like three times that like sounds like a lot but it's not like objectively i feel like especially when you compare like a royal wedding with a thousand people yeah seems like a pretty small wedding true Mm -hmm. like a thousand people at a wedding for like one of us would be like a huge wedding but like for like the the king and queen of Westeros a thousand people actually sounds kind of like a small wedding yeah yeah I mean I think that's the point is that like like,
2: they also would not have had to set everything up in the red keep as much as they did for the golden wedding that way
1: right right and you didn't want to spend money on it which is totally fair like weddings are really expensive
2: royal weddings even more so
1: yep I-, I wonder what allison thought about it mm. i
0: wonder if, if she had feelings about it i don't know i mean
2: i think the point with the i would say that allison actually doubled down on like the face and frolics aspect after the wedding so much so because mm. the wedding itself had to be low key mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah i can see her being very pragmatic about like we don't have no money yeah
1: yeah Yeah, we don't have money now let's let's wait until we get a bit more of those taxes roll in before we start actually spending a bunch of money right loans are only going to take us so far and i I
0: wonder also if there wasn't an aspect of like you know we're just beginning to push the doctrine of exceptionalism and like maybe we we don't want to be like too in your face with it Mm -hmm. you know because we're still like getting people on board with this concept yeah right as opposed to like having it because didn't um reyna and whoever she married the first a Aegon didn't they have a big wedding
2: they did uh, actually it was they got married and they were gonna go on their big royal progress and the progress was gonna be this massive thing
1: right yeah i think yeah that, yeah you're right about that. that like the like the party was gonna be the progress yeah yeah rather than the it was gonna be yeah.
2: continuous throughout mm-hmm. yeah.
1: yeah 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 everyone celebrate the king and queen um so, yeah, I mean, we've kind of talked a lot about this, but, like, I mostly just, w- I laughed when it gets said that, like, at long last, you at know, they're, long they're, last she their got wedding that was consummated at long last, sealing their union uh, for all time okay, so for the eyes your, of God's men. And there's just so much about that I don't like. Is
2: your position that they did, in fact, have sex while they were on Dragonstone?
1: Oh, I am, like... Caroline, I, I, this is one of the areas where Caroline and, and I kind of disagree. I am, like, 90% convinced that you could not keep two horny teenagers from fucking for, like, a year and a half.
0: I want to believe in the romance. That, that's my problem. I want to believe that it's very romantic and that... I also want to believe that Jaharis did not want to fuck his 13-year-old sister. But is it any better that he wants to fuck his 14-year-old sister, you know? I don't think it makes that much of a difference at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I... I I want to believe in the romance, but I, I tend to believe Gretchen is probably correct. They probably yeah. were fucking on Dragonstone. I mean, like, the whole the, like everything it, the about romance, this
1: feels
2: can the so romance not exist with the like?
1: Yeah, yeah, right, right.
2: Or is I it mean, more romantic that they rom- waited?
0: It's it, it's just the romance aspect of this. Like, and I love romance. I'm a sucker for a romance story. Like, like I'll I'll buy it hook, line, and sinker until somebody makes me question it. Um, but the romance here is ruined for me by the fact that Allison is so young right mm-hmm. and, and just like i'm like right. how can you how can you like 14 better than 13 but not by much no. <laughs>
1: right right so. this just all feels like it's a part of the propaganda that's part of why i'm so deeply suspicious yeah. is because he, it, it's such a good story like, like it's the such only thing. a good story to be like the teenagers were living together for a year and a half where no one could see them and they never had sex until they were officially, officially truly married in the marriage ceremony in front of all of Westeros, where they were married by the Septum when everyone could see them. It just sounds like such a good piece of propaganda to make I people want be it, like though. the incest is romantic.
0: I'm buying that I'm the I'm target audience for that propaganda. <laughs> <You want laughs> I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> give it to me. I want the propaganda. The only thing that I will say is that they were living together for over year on Dragonstone and she never got pregnant. So either they have, were using some kind of contraceptives or they were not actually having sex. It's, you know, that is my suspicion
1: her. because, again, I feel like if she had come pregnant or with a child, it would not work with the propaganda that they were trying to set up. Yeah. Right. That, like, they really need to establish their marriage and relationship as this, like, big, beautiful thing. <gasps> yes. Um. Maybe one of the maybe one of the wise women, like her job was to be like, okay, Allison, we got to make sure you don't get preggers.
0: Here's the pill. You take it every morning when you get up. Okay, let's yeah. see. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there, there
2: is contraception in universe. So like, that's not out okay. of the question. It's kind of unclear how, like, if that's the contraception you can continue to take as you have sex. Um, mm-hmm. Like, Jory yeah, Martin is kind of unclear yeah. about that. Uh, but he like,
1: works depending on what the plot needs. Yeah. Yeah yeah. yeah 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 moon tea yes because um uh rob's wife jane westerling there's that really strong suspicion that she is being fed moon tea yeah exactly and how much
2: is she being dosed on the daily to right. prevent it uh yeah. versus like- i mean you
1: don't have, i mean yeah they don't they wouldn't have had a nuanced understanding of fertility like i of course in the 21st century i'm like well you'd really only need to take that for a week out of a month because like People are only, you know, only someone really with fertile. the uterus is yeah. only is only fertile for like a small window. But like they don't get, they don't fucking know that. They would yeah. probably yeah. give some every day if they really wanted to be clear about it. Um, yeah. But yeah, also like just everything about beddings is gross. Caroline and I have said this before. Beddings are really gross. I yeah. hate them in universe. Whenever I have to read about them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, how weird it- is it that it says Lord Ro- Lord Rogar himself led the men who disrobed her? Okay, so like. Lord Rogar, a drunk Lord Rogar, is, like, excitedly stripping down his 14-year-old stepdaughter. That just, like, gives me...
2: It just makes
1: me feel like it's so gross. Is it
2: not, like, clear that beddings are bad in universe when the only bedding we see in A Song of Ice and Fire is for the red Wedding, Like...
1: And she's like crying. She's crying. The only
2: bedding we see is the one that precipitates the mass murder. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and we she, see and Sansa's fr- from Sansa's point no, of view. No, we don't see Sansa's, right. because but there isn't Sansa one. Have one. I mean, I'm sorry, from Tyrion's point of view, because Tyr- Tyrion decides not—it's very nice man—and decides not to rape her. No, that, that's the, the nice thing is that like
2: he specifically yet. prevents Joffrey from like stripping Sansa naked is like that yeah. whole thing oh that's right they
0: don't do that they don't do that in the beginning you're right you're right yeah i forgot about that yes yeah yeah
1: also how weird would it be if like your best friends are like stripping down your husband because it says that like Janice templeton which by the way Janice, what a name sorry yes. martin i feel like you like we're running out of ideas is there. that a friend's yeah. Reference? yeah no it's just Janice is i don't know what it is it's just i feel like he was just like throwing words together. Have you yeah. not um, have you not
2: seen Belandra in a feast for cross? It's yes. just like a oh, random yeah, serving woman in like... Dorn.
1: Yeah, so There's a names. guy there's a guy named
0: Anus in this story, okay. Straight face Anus, so we're out of names. We've been out of names.
1: <laughs> uh, so it says that like her companions Janice Templeton, Rosamond Ball, Prudence and Prunella, also Martin, you are so mean to these girls. Um, Prudence and Prunella Celtigar were among those who did the honors for the king. So, like, one, your stepdad is stripping you down, and also, like, your BFFs are stripping down your husband. Like that. Like everything about that just seems like the most awkward. And like every and everyone is fine with this. This is totally normal. They're so in love. Why everyone are you questioning it? Loves them, and and they look so happy about it. As we already talked about the illustration, I mean, everyone looks super happy with what's happening. Yeah. Um, I, think the, uh, I think the hand that like disturbs me the most in this illustration is the hand that is like caressing her hair. Oh yeah, that has nothing to do with taking her. Uh,
0: okay, yeah. so Targaryen exceptionalism. So as the Targaryens stand, <laughs> as the Targaryens stand among us, um, <laughs> I fully, I fully endorse Targaryen exceptionalism. They're obviously different from us. You can tell just by looking at them how they're different because they're they're so white. And their hair is so white and their eyes are so purple and they ride dragons and none of us can ride dragons. Not that any of us have ever tried, but none of us can ride dragons and therefore oh. they're different and the laws of the Seven don't apply to them. I don't see the problem.
1: Targaryen works different. In italics. Just emphasized on the page. You know. God. I love how fake this is. Like, I love the logic here and how clearly, like, obviously fake it is on its on its face, but, like, I love that about it, because, like, like, all Mm -hmm. of this is fake. Inherently. You know, like, the idea that some people should be rulers, like, all of this is fake. And, like, I just feel like whoever was looking at it was going, okay, how can we make, how can we use this logic that everyone believes in, and, like, make it work for us? Like, Mm -hmm. this is so clearly constructed that someone sat down and was like, what is the best way to, like, make incest okay? And is like... Well, the faith is from Westeros itself. It's no, the, it's the not. Andals. It's, it's, well, the, it's Andals, the religion yeah. of the Andals, which, like, no one is going to. Ver- let's not. Let's forget the fact that the Andals also invaded and are from somewhere else and probably, you know, probably from Essos. Let's just yeah. forget that. <laughs> like, this is their religion for the people who live here. We are not from here. So, like, we don't have to abide by your religion because we're not from here. We're different we're from a different place where rules are mm-hmm. different. And like, that's okay. That means we can do whatever we want.
0: Mm-hmm. It's great. It's Musa, like, what were you going to say? Musa, you look like you want to say something.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's less than I think it's really stupid. And more than I think it's just like, <laughs> very like interesting that like the way that all of this is, Set up and established because how the idea of Targaryen exceptionalism is presented to us, the reader in the main series, is this notion that the Targaryen dynasty existed and Targaryens were believed to be closer to gods than men, and that's why they were able to do things like marry their own siblings, which no one else was able to do because that was an abomination to gods and men, and therefore Targaryens were above the lord above gods and closer to gods than men themselves all of that stuff mm-hmm. once fire and blood came out and it was written in explicit terms just how this doctrine came to be and what exactly it entailed and the fact that it was specifically set up to excuse the incest not just the incest being an example of how they were better than everyone else but yep. <laughs> so much fun.
1: <laughs> yeah it's great i actually don't think it's stupid i think this is really clever it's just it's funny to me well it's stupid is it's,
0: it's just, stupid but it's stupid in universe
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. it's it's stupid because i'm looking at this and going who should no one should be buying this no but they do everyone's like yeah sure i mean but i mean the reality is is like this mostly rests on and they flew dragons yes right like that like the whole thing about like well they're not from westeros they're from valyria they're not the andals they're you know they have a different religion they have different laws and customs like that only works
2: as long as they fly dragons also like like, the real
1: like the real emphasis here is like they didn't need this whole backstory like that's what strikes me as funny that's the thing is the whole thing about like they're not from here they're from a different culture they do whatever they want that's the carrot
2: though that's the carrot yeah and also there's dragons so like We can't Mm -hmm. say anything about the fact that they fuck their own sisters because there's dragons. And also, like, we just had so much war about this exact issue, and I think we should let it go.
1: Yeah, that, like, that's, this is the thin veneer. Uh, Like, this is the, like...
3: Of acceptability. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah, yes, this is, like, the thin veneer for for people to find it acceptable. But, like, the real reason is they have dragons. Like, they literally, all they have to do is be, like... The Targaryens have dragons and we can't tell them not to. Yeah. Like, that's mm-hmm. the real reason why everything is okay. But they are providing like a story that people can swallow. Yeah. Like, I like what you said that if this is the carrot. Like they're, they're providing mm-hmm. a story that doesn't rest on violence. Yeah. That allows people to like, you know, the violence is the undertone, but like the, you know, like the overtone is like, they're just different and they look different and that's okay. But the reality is, is like, this only works because they have dragons. <laughs>
0: It's like a lampshade, right? Yes, like there's yes. a like, there's a problem. We all know there's a problem, but we're gonna we're gonna put the lampshade. Targaryen exceptionalism lampshade. You know what it reminds me of? I forget if this is in *The Song of Ice and Fire* proper or in like some other text, but um, the Maesters talk about like the legitimacy of Robert Baratheon. Yeah. And one of the things that's talked about is that he part of his legitimacy is that he has a Targary he has Targaryen blood yes. his like, yep. grandmother was Targaryen yep. so they're like they're like so really the dynasty was like never that, like it's like he's still like a divine it, right because of that that's, and it's like it's like you, well he just he took over and no, you have to that's the justify thing is that somehow. that's the
2: reason why it was Robert was acclaimed king at after the victory of the trident but like um that's the reason why Robert was the one who was enthroned and not John Aaron. even though John Aaron was the actual leader of the rebellion. He's the mm-hmm. one who was, mm-hmm. the one who called his banners first, and he was in charge of Robert and Ned and got them married, uh, uh, got Ned married to like Kathleen Tully as well, and got the Tullys involved in everything. So technically, John Aaron was the one who was leading Robert's rebellion, but it became Robert's rebellion because Robert was the one who had some kind of connection to the targaryens in the most recent past right
1: yeah right and you're right caroline that it's like the thin veneer of like really i mean it's such a tenuous connection that you're like okay sure like my grandma you know my grandma was a targaryen and that means i have the right well but like, well, like just, even if, if, if it's if just I... the cover
0: like, if John Aaron had taken the throne, they could have been like, well, you know, the right of conquest was established by the Targaryen dynasty, and this is he took by the right of conquest, so he's legitimate, you know, like, right, there's all like, kinds of ways you can explain this kind of stuff away. There
1: are some Aaron, there are some Targs in the Aaron dynasty. We there do, are. Yeah, we're going to get all yeah. the way, you know, coming up, we're going to see that, like, the Targaryens intermarry with the Aaron. So, yes. like, he could have, but, like, you know, anyway, they didn't, mm-hmm. and they chose yeah. to rely on that. Um, yeah,
0: so this this Targaryen exceptionalism thing for me is, I I think it's so funny. Yep,
1: I just think it's, it's like
0: it's great that they're they're like what we're gonna say is how, how do we make the rules work? We say the rules don't apply. Boom. <laughs> right. No and, and why do
1: they not apply? Because we're special. And why are we special? Ultimately, we say so. because we have dragons.
0: <laughs> we say so. We're different. Look at us look at how um. blonde i am boom different like
1: and it ends up lining up so well with like the divine right of kings the way it yeah. says like they alone of all of the men in the world had been given the power to tame mm. the fearsome beast and like caroline you and i have talked about the fact that like i don't know how you feel about this musa so we'll get your take afterwards but like caroline and i do not believe in magic dark blood like we are very much on the like yeah. anyone no. could in a dragon Technically, like if you put enough work into it, like anyone could, there's not actually nothing special about the Targaryens, but they need everyone to believe that they're special because if they aren't, then anyone could claim a dragon and be a threat. But like the idea of like magical Targ blood is a way to be like, no, 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 no. Even if you tried, you couldn't claim a dragon because only Targs can. So just like, don't even try because it's not going to work. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, there's... and like
1: we will see that like the dragon seeds have to you have to come up with this convoluted like oh they're just dragon blood or dragon related yeah. I mean, yeah definitely related
2: <laughs> I have uh, kind of a complicated idea about this stuff is like um, so you know how George Martin once said like yes three heads has the dragon but the third head doesn't have to be a Targaryen implying that mm-hmm. one of the three dragon riders at the end of the story is not going to be a Targaryen. Otherwise, leaving open the fact that like two of them are going to be Targaryen, uh, or at least have some Targaryen heritage, and we know what that is. But like, um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. So I don't believe that magic dark blood is the reason why they can ride dragons. I do believe that, like, I do believe that Valyrians fucked around with magic to the extent that it is just in their genetics and that had a lot to do with their uh, control of dragons as well. I don't know if you guys saw this but like before House of the Dragon premiered there was like a bunch of YouTube videos that were released on the HBO YouTube channel I think and one of them was like an interview of George Martin where he was talking about how he conceives of magic and how he thought how he conceives of magic as used by the Valyrian Freehold. And the way that he presented it is that a lot of it came down to less on, like, the precise mechanisms and mechanics of actually doing magic and, like, performing spells, and more to do with who you were as a person and what your connection to dragons were. So this kind of, like, Mm -hmm. feeds back into the idea. So initially it was thought that Valyrians used blood magic to tame dragons. Mm -hmm. But now, with what Martin said in that video, it can also be the case that Valyrians tamed dragons so that they could use blood magic or use magic Ah. more effectively. And so I think what the thing is, is that a connection... Like, a Targaryen can have a much more innate connection to a dragon, like, easily. It doesn't necessarily mean that the only ones who can do it. And that someone else could get a connection to a dragon. And what's important is that that connection to a dragon creates more of a connection that person has to magic as a whole.
0: I like that. Yeah, that that makes sense. That does make sense because when the dragons come back, magic in Westeros in general increases. Yeah, right?
3: yeah,
0: yeah,
1: and like we see a really strong connection between blood and magic, like the use of blood mm-hmm. from particular people. Yeah, the weirwood magical trees. Magical power, the weirwood trees. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about how like dra- like it's said that like like the way they talk about dragons is like fire made flesh. Yeah, yeah. And like I do also think that Martin's idea of magic is really tied to natural forces. Yeah, mm-hmm. like and not not in the like. Um yeah, that just like it's really tied to like natural forces in the world and is often like natural forces amplified. Um, yes, what we would consider a natural force, but like plus, because you know there's magic involved. So like if dragons are fire-made flesh, they are kind of like an embodiment of a of a natural force in a magical way. Yeah. And so if you can mm-hmm. tap the, that power, you are tapping into magic. They're like mm-hmm. tapping dragons and like using their blood as a way of like gaining access to like the natural force of fire in a Mm -hmm. magical way. So I really, I'm glad you brought that up Musa because I think that that makes sense. And that over over time you might, you know, that might change you and your, your DNA and your genetics that might make it, you're you're more likely to form a connection with the dragon but not necessarily that no one else can you just might be more likely to yeah
3: i think kind of like
1: kind of like the starks and the direwolves i think something similar probably happens Um, up in the north because the direwolves are like embodiments of like ice and the north and like the frozen so like they might be more likely to form a bond than anyone else for me
0: i just kind of get to a point where I begin to question, like, magic. Like, it gets to be kind of ineffable at some point. Like, what do we mean by connection to? Mm -hmm. You know? Because, like, there are people that feel like very strong connections to animal pets. And there are people that do not.
3: Uh Uh-huh. Right? There
0: are people that are like... I'm very empathetic to every so, so animals so much that I I can't make, get myself to eat them because I'm so emotionally yeah. connected to animals. And then there are people that are like, I don't care, give me a chicken, you know. Okay. And and I'm the latter party, but you know it. And it's just like I wonder, like how much is because dragons are actually a fictional creature. So it's like, is it is it magic, or do we just really feel it? Okay, you
2: know? I will point out <laughs> that in this universe, it is possible for people to have such a close connection to their animal companion that they can literally see out of their eyes and experience the world But there world is magic.
0: Them. I know <laughs> there is magic in Westeros. I'm a, I know in Planetos there is magic, but how much is there magic, you know? But that, one, much, I think that, what you're, that much. Yeah.
3: That <laughs> much. That's what we've but
0: seen. I, I, think, I think the Starks have more magic than Daenerys has, what we've seen on page. The most magic we've seen Daenerys is when Drogon gets stabbed and she, she quote unquote, feels it herself. I
2: mean, she also, also did just too, be empathy. She did also walk into a funeral pyre and then come out completely unscathed. And that was a very she, that magical was experience.
0: Big magic. That was. That was a big magic. We also map, don't that, know how yeah. much
1: of that was directed by her or whether or not it was a continuation of a separate ritual. But, like, that's, that's a separate question. I wanted to get back to what you were saying, Caroline, about, like... Mm-hmm. Connection to an animal because I actually Mm -hmm. do think that what Musa was Musa brought up that like skin changing and seeing out of another animal's eyes Mm -hmm. is just another way that Martin is taking like he's literalizing and like mystifying like an actual like.
3: You talk about like yeah, yeah
1: like he, it's basically just magnified empathy. Mm-hmm. Like you're, it's t- like a magical version of like literally being able to see the world from someone else's perspective. It's like a magical empathy that you have with your animal mm-hmm. that allows you to like merge your spirit with like theirs and see from their eyes. So I think that Martin likes to take magic. Often works that way for him. Is he will like magnify and emphasize like a natural phenomenon and like and- enhance it. With what magic. you
0: just said about, like, seeing through each other's eyes get, gets thematically to his, like, the way he writes. Yeah. Right, because right. he's writing point of view. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so his magic amplifies what is po- what is someone's point of view, how to see, how to literally see through someone else's point of view. Yeah. Right. You know, so I, I'm, I, I, can, I concede there is magic in Planetos. I just think it's, I tend to think it's less magic than the, the text wants me to think. But I concede there I is magic. Like, I think that, like, if... <laughs>
2: The Winds of Winter ever does come out. I feel like there's gonna be more magic in that than there has been in like yes, the previous I... five books combined.
1: Yeah. I have uh, speaking of like the third head of the dragon and riding dragons, and it doesn't have to be a Targaryen and skin changing. I one of the theories that I've seen floating around is that Bran is going to skin change a dragon.
3: He
0: that boy better fucking skin change a dragon. My... He doesn't
1: skin change a fucking dragon. I'm throwing that book away. And my that, that well, and that bed... in that way he would be like riding the dragon because so yeah, he's riding inside of it.
2: My bet theory and, with like, that is that it he will do that, but that's like to a point of like uh, that's how he's going to help uh, and like I'm. One of those people who actually believes this—that that Tyrion is going to be the third head, because that ties back wow. into the time where Tyrion helped Bran with uh, the saddle that he built for him, so that he could ride a horse again—and you know, it's like mm. it—it it all comes full circle and all of that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. that's just like very poetic to me. So I think that that yeah. functionally like would be very I good. I like that. I actually
0: like I'm not wildly against Tyrion being a dragon rider. I I don't have strong opinions on. Um, I I still occasionally think young Griff is real. So, you know, my brain's kind of all over the place on this.
1: <laughs> um, but getting back to the to the propaganda. I wanted to circle back to one of the things that you said, Musa, about like So, we've been talking about how much like this propaganda works because like the real threat is dragons and this is this kind of like thin veneer of like sure this is the this is the reason that you will buy that makes you feel good and not feel like you're being threatened directly um but also you mentioned like everyone's weary of war and i do think we need to put that into context with yes. the targaryen exceptionalism yep. um because i recently saw someone say like "Were jaharis i think it was on tumblr was like were jaharis and allison actually good rulers or was everyone just like tired of fighting and i was like both and yeah it doesn't have to be one yeah. or the other no but yeah. i do like we cannot under like we need to also remember that like everyone is really tired of fighting at this point that like part of why this propaganda works i think is because people want to believe in things that make the realm peaceful yeah yeah absolutely. this kind of propaganda is the kind of propaganda that only works if people are willing to believe it yeah and like part of why they're willing to believe it is because dragons are a threat but i also think a big part is everyone's like oh my god can we just like stop fighting
3: yeah we just like
1: get back to like Things That's being the thing. calm and easy, and no rebellions, and no people being tortured in the tower. And you know,
2: this is kind of like, all like, let's be done. This is kind of where the point of like, um, in House of the Dragon, where we see that it's been peaceful for so long that like the underlying violence of this society starts to bubble up so much more and come out in places where there's this these instances of hyper violence that happen, like internees and like at weddings that isn't supposed to be happening, but it does happen because there's just been it's there's just been so long since a war has actually happened that like uh, and like all these people do all day long is prepare for war. That is the only thing that they actually do with their lives. They don't work because they're not supposed to work. And uh yeah. you know that, that like masculinity
1: like is founded on martial prowess and if you're not fighting how else can you prove your masculinity
3: exactly <laughs>
1: also without conflict things get boring i mean when i play civ
0: you know civ is really fun for the first 150 to 200 turns and then by then you've established yourself and you've conquered the, the country closest to you and you've got your cities and then it's like just about maintaining the happiness of your people and it's like but i want to conquer i have an <laughs> army i want to put it i want to take something <laughs> over like I, I have built all these ships and now it's just like, oh, I'm going to build markets in my town because I'm happy to carnivals for everyone, you know, like. I'm secretly, to...
1: actually a Targaryen.
2: See, this is but why. Maybe there's
0: a reason I, I, uh, See, I understand I, this family so much. I
2: turned Conquest off as a victory condition on I-Place.
0: Conquest is the only way I win Civ.
1: <laughs> um, it's funny because I've recently been playing this game called Terra Nil, which is like an mm-hmm. anti-Civ builder. Oh, no. uh, where, like, you go into, like, landscapes that are, like, blasted and barren and destroyed by capitalism and are like, I'm going to plant seeds and I'm going to, you know, upgrade mm. the ecosystem and I'm going to, you know, b- like, I'm going to build forests and bring the bring the animals back. Like, I've really gotten fun. to the I point li- where I'm, like, the anti-Sip
0: <laughs> game. That actually sounds really fun. I love terraforming stuff. Terrain yeah, game. it's
1: great. It's on, um it's a Netflix game. I didn't know Netflix had games, but it's on the Netflix mm-hmm. platform. And, yeah, you That's... can do everything from, like, you're, like, reclaiming landscapes and rebuilding the ecosystem after they've been destroyed. Um, oh, my God. The implication is that up. they're mostly destroyed by humanity, and then you get to the last level, and it's, like, an irradiated city. And you're, like, okay, this is definitely, like, humans are destroying the planet. Yeah. And maybe we should actually think about fixing things. <laughs> We could think about it, or I could keep playing this game. I or I keep playing the game that makes me feel like I am accomplishing something in the face of looming climate change. Boom, exactly. Hey, we can't change the system. We can only do our best in it. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, yeah, everyone, like, we're at a point in history where everyone wants to believe yeah. Everyone wants things to be peaceful. And I do think that, that it shouldn't be understated how much that is a part of why Jaharis is successful. That it's mm-hmm. not just that he makes good decisions and has a good team of people around him who are helping him make good decisions. Yeah. It is also because everyone, like no one wants to fight right now.
0: And I think that's the ex- that's the answer, uh, Gretchen, to the question you have in your notes of Eleanor Costain. Yep. Why did she join the seven speakers? That's it. She wants it to be peaceful.
3: Mm-hmm. She
0: wants, she's like, she doesn't particularly care about incest herself. Obviously, she already killed Magor. She just like wants to not there to not this to not happen again.
3: Mm-hmm. And she
0: like saw firsthand how this violence occurred. She is like no bueno. What do you need me to do? Walk around and talk about how cool this princess is? No problem, you know. I right. think that's why she participates in it. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. There's some interesting symbolism going on with the with the seven. Like whenever Martin calls out that there are seven people involved, I I always start looking at how they're described. And see yeah. if they line up with the with the seven. They, and I think these ones line up pretty good. Yeah, I think they like do. The right? Seven.
2: There's like mm-hmm. there's like an old man who's like got no legs. I think he's the father. He's yeah. also the one who gets appointed high septon later.
1: Yeah, there's like cunning septon Baldric, learned septon Rollo, and fierce old septon Alfin. Like the words that he uses to describe the people, like line up. Yeah. Um and and um and like maiden mother chrome doesn't always have to align with age. It has to do with the symbolism. Yeah. So like Septon Isabel um is won over by Queen Alicent. You've got diminutive like diminutive like she's tiny. Oh, this is a maiden. Um, <laughs> like she doesn't have to be young, but she has to have characteristics that are associated with like a maiden. Um mm-hmm. and then Mother Maris is like okay, we, we got a mother here. Um what's interesting to me. Is that means that Eleanor is the stranger? The stranger, hey, I love it. Which I she's love one, one yeah. because she is set apart. Like she's the only like lord or lady here. She's not a
2: like she's, scepter. Yeah, she's not of the. She's fans. not
1: a septa yet. Um, she's from the upper class. Like mm-hmm. we know she's some. Some of these other people might be, but they're not called out as such. We know that she's from the wealthy cast, and also. I she murdered car- Magor. Yes, I feel like this fits with the idea that she murdered Megor because the stranger is associated with death. Yeah. So, like, why would Eleanor be associated with death? <laughs> I see what Maegor. you're doing,
0: Martin. I see you. I see you, Martin.
1: <laughs> um. So yeah. Anyway, whenever he's like, there are seven of them. I'm like, what are they like though? Tell me, Martin, about these mm. seven people. Um. And the tri- and like the he's creating archetypes. Like, what are the archetypes? like? The- it fits yeah. with the archetypes that he builds. Um, that like, yeah, cunning, cunning, and smart and fierce are like typically like the male archetypes. Mm-hmm. Um, like you've got like the master like the like the book learned ones, and then you've got the clever people, like the tricksy people, and then you've got like the fierce ones, and then women are either yeah. like, you know, maternal and you know caring, or they're like old and wise, or they're like young and associated with fertility and or like potential fertility mm-hmm. um and healing and, and, like and that, innocence so. in yeah innocence and purity yeah. that kind of yeah. crap yeah yeah and the strangers are the ones that like don't fit in um yeah. with any of them so yeah, yeah he he likes he loves these archetypes <laughs> they show up everywhere yep um, he ma-
0: gretchen he made something and he's very proud of it he wants us to see
1: he also he wants, wants to there to time. be seven of everything or three of things if we're talking about the targs Seven or three—the yes. magic numbers in Westeros. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh. Cool. I feel like we've covered a we lot. We actually went through everything. Like, wow.
2: I think we've, yeah. we're down to the last point, which is the Alicent's stuff.
1: Who gets? Yeah, we're into who gets shafted. This oh, is yeah. our section where we talk about people who are not given the amount of recognition that they deserve in the text. And I definitely put Alicent in this section. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, what is Alysanne yeah. doing, the text doesn't really ask the much. The text very rarely asks. <laughs> up until, you know, we'll see Alysanne do things later, but, like, up until now, <laughs> like, the text does not really care a whole lot about what Alisan is doing. Yeah. Um, I did want to point out that I I put Aegon the Uncrowned in this section, because, like, mm-hmm. this is th- a couple of times in here, like, Aegon is blamed for the failures of, like, of his progress.
2: It was, yeah. like, Aegon,
1: who didn't bring his dragon. Aegon, who, like, didn't bring his dragon. And I was, like, Aenys made that decision. Excuse yeah. me. This mm-hmm. was not Aegon's decision. This yeah. was Aenys decided. It's, and, it's he, and, it wasn't because, and it wasn't because either Aegon or Aenys were dumb. It was because right. of patriarchy. It was because they didn't want Reyna to look more powerful than Aegon. Excuse have me. You, have, have you, you considered the that the vic-
2: system is broken? The problem was the fact that, like... At that point in time, it was the adults who were deciding when the children should have a dragon. Mm-hmm. So at some like when Reyna was a small child, they just gave her a hatchling. Yep. And for Aegon, there either wasn't any hatchlings available, or
1: he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't given one as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't, and he seemed to like not be motivated to claim one for himself either... until he wanted to threaten. You know, until a little bit later in his life. Yeah, that's the thing. Is that like, it feels he... like either a thing that it feels like either the adults decided or the kids got to decide if they felt like claiming one rather yeah. than it just being given to them.
2: But the way it's stated is that they were given, like the Eanes was given Quicksilver, and Reyna was given a dragon hatchling as well, uh, Dreamfire. Dreamfire, and that that's mm-hmm. um, that means that like. At this point oh. in time, the children didn't get to say when they got one. That was two generations later when Jaehaerys's children, who become Dragon Riders, become Dragon Riders much older, and they decide they want to become Dragon Riders for themselves.
1: Yeah, and Aegon claims Quicksilver.
2: Yeah, that's after yeah, so Aeneas dies. God, so that's
1: that's why. Like, yeah, he doesn't yeah. claim Quicksilver until after Aeneas dies. So if, when Aeneas was still alive, he didn't have a dragon. Yeah,
0: exactly. There weren't as many dragons in existence yeah. at the time.
1: And also clean. there's there's symbolism there. There's a the symbolism of like I mean, because dragon is power, right? So yeah. anytime you right. see someone claiming a dragon, it's about claiming power. Yeah. And right. so like the fact that he doesn't have power while his father is still alive is like symbolic of the fact that like he doesn't he until doesn't, he's doesn't right. have. Dead, yeah power
2: yeah
1: right yeah yeah Yeah. but even that being the case like that decision was ultimately about like well you don't want Aegon to look weak because he doesn't Mm. have his own dragon yeah it's not because like Aegon the way it's framed in this section makes it feel like they're being like oh man Aegon just like didn't understand why you should have dragons and I'm like no (laughs) what happened yeah sorry Gildane you are already you are again rewriting history as you're writing this book that is not what happened right Oh,
0: Gretchen, I love your note about uh, if Eleanor Costain, when it, when she becomes a septin, septa, rather, meets Corianne Wilde. I knew you'd like that. Oh man, they would be best <laughs> buds. I knew
1: you would like that. I put that in there for you, Caroline.
0: That would be so cool. Corianne would be like, y'all never would guess what I did in the Basilisk Giles. And Eleanor would be like, guess who killed King Magor? You know, <laughs> <laughs> Like They'd bragging back and forth about their like really cool adventures. Absolutely, um, I'm here for it. So we we talk about Allison kind of getting shafted.
1: You know, we we'll see more of her.
2: Gretchen, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, can I ask but... who is the good wife?
1: Oh, the, oh, the fool at the very end of this chapter. I I've
2: completely yeah. forgotten what this is about. Hold on, let me uh, see.
1: Okay. It's the first it's in the first... La- it's in the second to last paragraph. It's a fool that like. Alisan brings it says Alisan gave the red keep its first fool a fat man called the good wife who dressed as a woman and was never seen without his wooden quote unquote children a pair of cleverly carved puppets who said ribald shocking things I just think that like I hate every single fool that Martin creates there's never a fool that I really like and they always feel like they're punching down and they're making fun of people who are like who don't fit into normal society you didn't
2: care for Lord monkey (laughs) face
1: Uh, no. Just <laughs> like the racist problem of undertones the, to Lord Monkeyface the, that I find the,
0: uncomfortable. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I don't exactly. think it's the undertone. I think it's it's I think it's on its face. It is with, on the, with face. the races, yeah. Um the thing about the fools is like it's very like I get including them because it's like accurate, quote unquote, to medieval life, quote unquote, Yeah. Right. but without having a point of view of one,
1: mm-hmm.
0: of like a fool, any commentary on that is lost. So, it's just, like, I, I don't know what, it's just kind of, like, all, yeah, all you kind of get is this kind of silly, like, racist or sexist or ableist stereotypes. I mean, and, I mean,
1: and this is clearly kind of, like, trans, like, This is, like, transphobic. Yeah, yeah. This is,
0: like, oh, he wears a dress and isn't that funny, you know? Yeah, ha,
1: ha, ha, the man wears a draf- dress and calls himself a good wife and has kids who are puppets. And I'm, like,
0: right. Eh. And if, the, if there was some story about, like, how he felt about that and mm-hmm. what was going on in his life, we would have commentary that was worth it. But these are just kind of, like, they're just kind of, like, silly characters. Like, like we'll get Mushroom primarily later, um, which is also a derogatory name because Mushroom's a little person and calling him Mushroom is a, is a comment on his height. Mm-hmm. Um, you know.
1: Caroline, I thought it I was about his dick.
0: But, but his <laughs> dick is so big. His dick is so big. <laughs> But, like, I think one of the really good things the adaptation did was just cut the fools out entirely. Yeah. Right? There's no fools in a... Even the bad show. Yes. Yeah, so even, even the bad in show.
1: the bad show. show the yeah.
0: They cut out the fools. And when House of Fire and Blood was airing, we were all like, where's Mushroom? We want to see Mushroom. And at first, everyone was kind of, like, disappointed. because we like, oh, Mushroom. And then we kind of thought about it and we're like, yeah, how could they possibly have put that on screen yeah but without the thing, a major rewrite you know yeah
2: with, without completely overhauling the character altogether which you know at that point why include it in the first place so especially because you can't just disinclude it or like get away with it because Mushroom's entire existence is predicated on just being like a viewpoint on things that he can't necessarily personally affect
1: yeah mm-hmm. right and also Caroline and I have a theory that Mushroom may not actually exist.
2: Yeah, yeah that theory I'm, came up I, I, br- I have heard this theory before and I'm like, yeah. I'm on the fence about it because I'm like, uh, I like the idea of there being like a non-noble person just mm-hmm. getting in there and fucking shit up with like his own fucking weird stories about what really happened in the Dance of the Dragons. Yeah. Um
0: I I like both. I, I like I like the concept of mushroom having actually existed, mm-hmm. and like going around and telling these gossipy stories. Right. But I also like the idea that this the maester like wants to tell the gossip stories, but doesn't want to say he heard them. He's like, oh, mushroom, like he, he creates. I also, a yeah, that's that's a nice thing. perspective.
2: So, I also like how mushroom's yeah. story ends at the beginning of Fire and Blood, Volume One, just because it's like he got to halfway through the reign of Aegon the Third and was like. Fuck this guy's so depressing, and then fuck off to White Harbor
1: forever. Yes. <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I just want like I just want to put it out there that like Mar- Martin's not perfect. He and this yeah. is one of the areas no. where I feel like he consistently falls short. And like, is, yeah, is a lot of his fool characters are often ways to depict um, people who like live and exist in alternative ways in society, and they are often made the but of the joke the funny like, thing that, is you know whether or not that's historically accurate like maybe that the, like whatever this is fantasy this is not history um like i mostly just want to call it out i want to acknowledge yeah. to the people reading it and to our listeners that like we recognize mm-hmm. that like this is not great this is not this is an area of weakness for martin that like mm-hmm. the, a lot of the characters who list who live in what we would call you know in alternative ways in westeros are often relegated to being in positions on the margins, and that can mean making a living as someone who is, like, made fun of for money. And, like, that's really shitty. And I wish Martin had more of a robust, like... Like you said, Caroline, if he had a point of view character from at least one... Like, a point of view from at least one of these characters at some point so that we could understand their mindset, like, I have a harder time giving him the benefit of the doubt in situations Mm -hmm. like these because I don't actually... Can I assume that what he's trying to do is make a commentary on how terrible it is that Westeros is such a bad society that people like this have to make a living as a fool? I don't know if I can believe that. Like, I, that's mm. a way to read it as, like, he's self-aware. But, like, yeah. I don't know that the text can tell me that he's self-aware because nothing about the way these characters are told tells me that Martin is self-aware of what he's doing. I have to assume that, that he right. is being self-aware and the text doesn't give me enough to go on. The closest we
0: get to it is in Dance with Dragons when Tyrion is with Penny.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And to the extent that that the presence of of court fools and jesters in this story is relevant to Tyrion's narrative arc? Right. That that might get us somewhere. His narrative arc isn't done. So I don't mm-hmm. know. You know, it's kind of similar to like Daenerys's white savior thing might get us somewhere, but I don't know yet because the books aren't finished. Right. Like it might there might be something that you know and he's our main character right so characters exist he's a main character so characters exist around him for his part of the story that's just kind of how it is so there might be something that at least some kind of characterization or commentary or critique that gets us there Mm -hmm. but it feels more like an afterthought Mm -hmm. i'm kind of surprised because fire and blood came out in 2018 i'm kind of surprised this kind of stuff got past like the sensitivity readers Mm -hmm. because it really wasn't Like, that mention of this, like, the mention of this full, completely unnecessary.
1: Yep, I didn't need that.
0: Mushroom is a character who, like, does stuff, but this one's just, like... I
2: think, yeah, I think this one is kind of, it's, it's, like, I had completely forgotten this was even mentioned, and it did not, like, parse when I was going over this chapter to, like, prepare for the podcast either, so, like, Mm -hmm. it's entirely possible that it just went by so quick that, like, people just did not register it uh, Mm -hmm. as much and unless you're doing a close reading because like it's the thing is that it's just a fly-by mention um whereas Mushroom later on is just like even though his only role is to just be a window into like what's happening around him he's still enough of a character of his own that like it's noticeable and like leaves some sort of impact on the reader whereas this and all the previous mentions of fools in the in fire and blood are kind of superfluous, um,
0: yeah mm-hmm.
2: and they're, te- they're supposed to tell us something about the people who hire the fools more than the fools themselves, I think
1: mm-hmm. right, right, which means that they don't they're not actually characters that exist for their own purpose they yeah. exist to characterize other people, yeah um, right. yeah like the, the same, but there's yeah. also
0: no reason there's no reason a fool needs to be like. Uh, it, it, there's no reason a fool needs to be a person who is otherwise marginalized yep. or to mimic someone who is marginalized so yep. the the good wife i don't think we have we ha- we only have a description that he's a fat man we don't know anything else about him mm-hmm. but the fact that he's othered in that way and then he's he's further othering himself by cross-dressing right right um Fools don't have to do stuff like that. They can just be like really good at tricks, or like good tumblers, or jugglers, or they tell funny jokes. Like they don't need to be yeah, like, like, playing all these stereotypes,
1: right? And he, yeah. didn't, he didn't even need to dress like a woman to have a pair of children that like said dirty, shocking things. He could have just, right, been, exactly, like, a, a person who had a pair of puppets who liked to say dirty things. Like, yeah, yeah. didn't have to. They, he didn't have to like.
2: He Martin didn't have didn't to have add to four, or three, four or five gimmicks on top of each other.
1: Yeah, yeah. like, and 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 I'm taking it back to like the level of like the author, like Martin yes. didn't need Martin didn't need to create a persona of someone who is, you know, cross dressing or mm-hmm. a transvestite or like you know whatever the language is. Like, he didn't need to buy into the stereotype of like like what is it? Because it feels to me like what this is doing is saying like what's inherently funny is that this is a man dressing as a woman, yeah, right. and like that plays into stereotypes that we have a society about transgender women yeah and Mm -hmm. and like what and like that they are inherently like amusing because it is you know we all know quote unquote like big scare quotes that like our society perceives of a lot of trans women is like oh yeah that's just a man in a dress Mm
2: -hmm. and like that's
1: funny and has been used as a joke for a very long time and so Mm -hmm. when I read something like this I'm like Martin you didn't need to do this Like, you could have just said that, like, it was a man who, like, had a pair of puppets that liked to say really, that, like, looked like children and liked to tell dirty jokes. And then, and then the emphasis on what's funny is the fact that it's children saying dirty Mm. jokes. And societally, that would have been the transgression is that Mm. it's children saying dirty jokes. Yeah. Right. Like, instead, like, what he's creating is, like, because fools are often meant to be characters that are, like, transgressive, like, Mm. in ways that, like, they. They appear, like, in ways that, like, society doesn't normally accept. And, like, that's that's okay because it's for laughs. So, like, Mm -hmm. the emphasis of it it being told now is, like, the primary joke is that it's a man dressing as a woman who pretends that the puppets are his kids. And, like, Martin didn't need to play into our real-world stereotypes about Mm -hmm. trans women in order to tell a story about, like, the kind of, about a fool. Like, Mm -hmm. to me, it's the fact that it is so offhand that that is partly so frustrating to me is that yeah. martin didn't think very hard he was like oh yeah yeah yeah, everyone will know that like that's meant to be funny because it's mm-hmm. funny to have like someone perceived as a man dressed up as a woman ha 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 funny joke I mean, is it is like, it
0: possible i mean i guess it's possible he's trying to to comment on the cruelty of the world
1: i don't you know i have a hard but- time believing in it because he does this so often that like a lot of these like offhand you know like he does mm-hmm. he creates a lot of these like offhand characters that like you barely recognize it's like a couple of sentences. And I don't know that all of them are meant to be commentaries on how the cruel the world is. Sometimes it just yeah. feels like he wanted to he's just feeling like I don't know, he's just writing. Yeah. And like Well I don't know. I mean I just, I just I don't know that like George Martin has the most nuanced understanding of trans experience. Um I,
0: I agree. I'm trying to think in terms of what fools are like okay. So like there's butter butter bums you mentioned, Musa. I can't remember what Butterbums is supposed to look like or like he just sings. Right? He sings.
2: Yeah. He sings and then he does magic tricks at the right. Purple Wedding. That's about it. Yeah.
1: Doesn't that like, the there's... the um the knight who saves Sansa?
2: Serdontos?
1: Or the, the, the ne- Serdontos yeah, Serdontos becomes a fool becomes a fool. Yeah. Yeah.
2: There's also Moonboy. Patch
0: Patchface. Moon boy. Moon Boy. I don't remember very much about Moonboy. And There's then Patch Moonboy's
2: only thing is that like Sir Dontos points out that like moonboy is not is not as much of a fool as he makes himself out to be, and then implies that he's a spy for Varys. That's the amount yeah. of depth that Moon Boy gets. Uh-huh. That he's like one of yeah, Varus's then... spies.
1: Yeah,
0: and Patch Patchface is pretty interesting.
2: There's also was
0: supposed to. Oh, go go ahead, Musa.
2: There's also a theory because we only get one description of Moon Boy, and a lot of people theorize that Moon Boy is actually Varus in disguise himself.
1: <laughs> that would be really funny. Every, Varys is everyone. Everyone is a secret Varus. Everyone is a secret Varys. <laughs> everyone is
0: a secret Varys. <laughs> um Patchface was coming to to Dragonstone uh-huh. originally, but no, no, then no. when the ship sank, and
2: no So okay. when Stefan Bratin was sent by Ares to Essos, to, or Volantis, to find a Valyrian looking bride for Rhaegar. Uh, they didn't find one, but they did find a slave fool who was very funny. And they were like, we're going to mm-hmm. purchase the slave and set him free, and he's going to come to Storm's end to be our fool, and he'll teach Stannis how to laugh, because Stannis was a very grumpy child, apparently. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they died, and their ship sank off ship Breaker Bay, and Batchface watched up on shore like three days later. And yep. that's, mm-hmm. totally that's where he came from. So, yeah. and then right. he just moved to Dragonstone with Stannis and his family. Afterwards. Right,
0: that's how he gets to Dragonstone. Yeah. So he, I mean, he was being brought because he was so funny. Yes. So we can assume right. that, like, he, he had like, seven languages, an
2: act, and uh, could perform songs in all of those languages, and also was very funny. That's what.
1: Right. Yeah. So he's like a talented, like, artist, performer. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he's absolutely. a talented performer.
0: So there's no reason to have you already have inverse people that fulfill this role as fool who are talent who are performers who are artists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to then be like to to dump on them basically, right. yeah. you know, and to and to punch down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Gretchen, as you said before, um, I I completely agree. I think that's a a weakness in the writing overall. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. Well, I think we've pretty thoroughly gone over everything. Yeah. Right?
1: Oh, one other, one final, one final thing that we can talk about is, um, I mean, we don't need to say much, but like, uh, this is the first weapons reference in this section that we have seen to the idea of waking a sleeping dragon. Right. Ooh. Yes. Um, you and that it is you don't in want ref- to wake it, the dragon. Yeah, you don't want to wake sleeping dragons, and it is in reference to the High Septon not wanting to speak out against yep. Jaehaerys and Alicent's incest wedding, Is he didn't want to quote wake sleeping dragons. So this is the first idea, like, the first time we get the idea of, like, waking a dragon is, like, awakening violence.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, and that you want to, like, you know, keep the violence down and, like, minimize yeah. it. So, like, I feel like that is very well, like, ties really directly into what we see in Danny's storyline of, like, what it means to wake the dragon. Like, yep. what it means to wake the dragon is to wake up to the idea of, like, using violence as a form of power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that be personal violence um, because I do think that it relates to the way that um, her brother Viserys treated her. That like, mm-hmm. yes. and he would say like, you don't want to wake the dragon. That was about personal, domestic, interpersonal violence. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it also refers to like, the violence on a societal level of like, burning things down. That like, But like, waking a dragon is awakening violence. Yes. And referencing back to that power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, so anyway, it just stood out to me that I was like, oh, waking a sleeping dragon. You haven't seen that yet. Um, Martin likes to sprinkle those in um, so yeah I mean we could talk more about like the words are wind and the words is power but I think we covered that in our last episode that like um, Martin wants to remind us I really like, like you <laughs> I had written notes and I'm like Musa you like hit the nail on the head when you were like words without action effective action behind them yeah. are wind and I was like are yes that, that's the point that's you know that's what Jaharis means when he says words are wind that like words are wind when there is no effective action behind them but like words are powerful but they are powerful if they are backed by something yeah. either by action or like a real threat yeah. Like, but like words are empty unless like you have a plan to enact them in some way or have effectively enacted those plans yes Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's what martin's getting at with with the with the fact that Jaharis, who simultaneously puts all of this emphasis on diplomacy, like is yeah. talking about like, well, we need to use words, we're going to solve this with words that like jeharis is also the one saying words are wind,
3: yeah, and like mm-hmm. Martin
1: wants us to live in that tension of like words without action are ineffective, but like words are powerful, words can be powerful, powerful and can there, substitute. Yes. Yeah, and can substitute for actual violence. Yes. Like, you don't actually have to use violence. You can use words um, instead. And I I happen to think, I don't know, maybe Moose, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on this. I feel like what we see with Jaehaerys in this section is going to be really important for maybe what we see with the War for the Dawn in The Winds of Winter and A Dream of Spring. in that, like, ultimately the final battle, like, will not ultimately be won by the biggest who wins the biggest battle on the battlefield, but like, yeah. there will be a time of like diplomacy and healing. And mm-hmm. that like, Jaehaerys represents that, like after this yeah. time of like civil war and unrest, Jaharis steps in and is like, all right, let's use some words. We I... also see it after the dance of the dragon. So I feel like he's setting that up to be something that happens at the end of A Song of Ice and Fire.
2: I think that that's true. However, I don't think that that like words and peacemaking is gonna be with the others. I think the no, point is to yeah. stop no, the God. others. No, you
0: can't make peace with climate change. You gotta get <laughs> yeah. climate
2: change. Even more than climate change, I think the others do very specifically represent like the ultimate form of slavery because they enslave people post death. Mm-hmm. And like oh. even in death there is no release from slavery, and that's why they tie into Daenerys' mm-hmm. themes as well. And that's why like she is an integral part of like the war for the dawn as well.
0: Mm-hmm. oh i never thought of that i love that yeah oh yeah see so this is why we always have you on this podcast <laughs> so i yeah. always try to have you on because you always tell me things that i love so I really much i like that theory as well yeah. yeah that like all right
1: death is freedom for some people
0: yeah so dark dark and spooky i mean it's really- uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> on that note uh, uh yeah
0: thank you guys so much for listening to us i think we've very thoroughly picked apart um this chapter uh this section and the last section with Musa. Again, Musa, thank you so much for coming yep. on. We always love having you. Thank you so and much for having
3: you.
1: me. Hearing your Yeah. Yes, we will, we we'll have you again uh, when we get further yes. into Harris's reign.
3: Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah, I would love
0: anytime that. Anytime you want. Yes. Yeah, anytime you want. And Harris up. And anyone else listening if you would like to be a guest, we have gotten some emails Gretchen, we got another email. We have we're very bad at answering emails. I am
1: we, very sorry. I am very we, bad
0: at answering that emails. That is that is of the course for
2: emails. any <laughs> podcast Uh. yeah
1: (laughs)
0: but we we will be answering those emails we just give us time because we're just anxious uh anxious little children um but uh, if you want to email us and someday get a response you can email us at house of fire and blood podcast at gmail.com and you can follow us on instagram at house of fire and blood podcast and uh until next time remember words are wind except when a dragon says them
1: Mm -hmm. then they're fire
0: then they're fired. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, also remember that uh, rich white people, <clears throat> um, of course, by which I mean um, actual Westerosi lords, hate seasoning uh, because they hate paying taxes.
2: <laughs> and of course, you have to remember, teenagers having sex isn't made worse by incest, but incest does make teenagers having sex weirder.
1: <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> oh, I love that.
0: All right, guys. Uh, All thanks right. again for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next time.
3: Bye. Bye. Bye, everyone.
1: Oh my gosh! So I, <laughs> I had like my annual physical, and I. I had to have a telehealth call with my doctor to follow up on it. And she was like, so your vitamin D levels are like really low, Mm. like really bad. Um, And this is the end of summer when I expect them Mm. to be at the highest. So um, I'm concerned about you and especially concerned going into winter that like you're not (laughs) getting enough vitamin D. Um, So I'm going to write you a prescription for like prescription strength vitamin D pills. Um, I have to take, they're like so strong that I'm only allowed to take them once a week. Because it's, like, 50,000 units or whatever. Um, 50,000 IUs, um, which works out to, like, just over Mm. 7,000 IUs a day. Which is, like, more than you can get over the counter. And I'm supposed to take it for the next six months and then have my, like, levels checked again. Because I just, apparently, don't Mm. have enough vitamin D. And it was funny to me because I'm, like, having this call with her as I am sitting at my desk because I work from home and work remotely. And I was like, Like,
0: yeah, I don't go outside very
1: much (laughs) I probably need to go outside more. Where else can you get vitamin D um, from besides the sun? There must be foods that give it to you. Yeah, know. there are foods you can get vitamin D from. Milk. You will often oh. see that milk is fortified with vitamin D. It'll say, like, like whole milk will say, like, it's whole milk. The other yes. word for whole milk is usually, like, vitamin D milk because, mm-hmm. like, it's got more of it. So, um, I just, you know, there are more food. And it's probably not just that I don't get aside, outside enough. I I think my body tends mm-hmm. to be low on vitamin D um but yeah it was just funny because i was like yeah cool at the end of the summer i have like outside i have like below i have substandard levels of vitamin d at the end of the summer when my vitamin d levels are technically supposed to be the highest that they are at all year Mm -hmm. that is how bad i am um so now i'm gonna start taking vitamin d and like see if i feel any different because that's the other thing is like i don't know how this is impacting me because i've probably been this way for a while so like i could start taking vitamin Mm -hmm. d and be like i don't know magically i have more energy and i sleep better and could be vitamin d is i don't um, know
0: because I, I, I know a lot about baby deaths cause I do a lot of baby homicides i have a very strange niche um wow as yeah, as in my criminal defense practice um vitamin d deficiency is what causes rickets i believe
1: and, and in children, children yeah, yeah because you need it you need yeah. it for your bones to grow but once you're an adult it like shows up looking really different um, you can have no symptoms when I was reading about it, it's like you could have no symptoms or it could be like you have chronic pain and don't sleep well and um are really tired all the time and I was like I have all of those things but I have no idea if it's vitamin D deficiency or not
0: maybe it is maybe it was, like that <laughs> it that'd, that'd be kind of cool if, it, if that's it and you just got like it fixes like, everything yeah you just got to get little big giant injections of vitamin D
1: <laughs> yeah so yeah I am uh, I am dear listener in fact a pasty white person who like doesn't get enough sun and surprise surprise i have low vitamin d
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> the eternal circle he- health and wellness here at house of fire
3: and
1: Blood. <laughs> <laughs> i wonder if anyone in Westeros had a vitamin d deficiency <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> oh that's funny all right i do sometimes wonder about that in fantasy worlds i'm always like why does no one have scurvy I they, feel like people die. in Westeros would probably have some scurvy. I don't know that they have a lot of access to citrus. People that in Dorne do. Yeah, I mean, you know who wouldn't have scurvy? Sansa. Those lemon yeah. cakes, man. Boom. They're just, they're saving her life. I think scurvy is just a vitamin C deficiency.
0: It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can get vitamin C from other pl- other sources besides citrus. You can. Yeah, That's just like one of the best Yeah. Points. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Again, health and wellness here at House of Fire and Blood. (laughs) The more you know.